Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 24 of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Our number two, that's right, every Thursday from here on out through the course of the entire season, you get to hear the second hour of my elite sports show from SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio for free right here live on the One Man's Opinion podcast. I am Jeff Vance. You can find me at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com, at Jeff underscore Mans on the Twitter machine, the Jeff Vance on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. That's right, folks. This one is called episode 24, the second hour. We're going to do this every week, every week. So what happened is I got a lot to talk about. I opened it up to you, every one of you that got to decide what the topics of today's show is. The second hour, uh, earlier this week, we went back to being live on SiriusXM. For those who don't know, I host the Elite Sports Show on SiriusXM, Fantasy Sports Radio, every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. We have been recording that show for the last five months, ever since we went into quarantine. We are back live, and I love it. So when the first day we went back live, I told you that, I mean, that show is your show. This show is your show. I believe in interacting with the listeners, the, the subscribers, the, the people. I, I love it. It's what I love to do. It's, I like to talk about the things and give my opinions and ideas and all that uh, for the topics that you guys want to hear. I have my ideas. I could just bitch and moan about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all fucking day and just go, that will be a whole show. I understand that um, that's not what you guys want to hear, or maybe you have a different opinion, and thus you just don't want to hear the same guy spot off the different opinion every single moment necessarily. So I believe in interacting with you. I believe in talking with you and having a conversation, and it's how I've done radio. It's how I've done podcasting and everything throughout my career, 15 years in, in broadcasting, and uh, you know, been very successful in doing so, and that's not going to stop. So what happened was on Thursdays they notified me just this week, by the way, that they are going to cut an hour of the show out in order to have another show do an hour for them as well. I don't know why. I I, I argued a little bit, but I just again same rate of pay. I mean. <laughs> doesn't really it didn't harm me um i don't really get going you know it, it takes me a while especially with commercials and segmentation of of radio it takes me a while to get cooking and going and it takes a while for all of you to get your questions in for me to see it the producers to let me know and what everybody's talking about out there so if they're going to chop a second hour off the show that's fine i've decided i will just take it here to the one man's opinion podcast and we'll talk about it here today i decided why not just open it all up i could easily talk about the manifesto that is my 2020 fantasy football draft plan it is live over at fantasyguru.com go there check it out uh if you want a discount fantasyguru.com slash mans right there for you and all the rankings and projections and live chat and 50 fantasy football strategy podcasts our entire team can be found over there at fantasyguru.com so get over there and check it out everybody um so i I could talk about that and whatever and in future episodes of the second hour i will but today I, i open it up ask me anything and i know there's a lot of topics from sports from the business standpoint that you guys want to hear and know about i've never been the type that will keep my mouth shut I've never been the type of person to shy away from difficult questions. And hopefully you'll see that today because I opened it up to you at Jeff underscore man's. What do you want to ask about? And we got some fancy football questions. 
We actually have a couple baseball questions. We got a lot of business questions, some Tommy G questions that are in there as well. You guys want to know about this. Well, I'm told you. I'm not dicking around. I said, ask me anything. I will answer anything. And that's what we do today. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing on Thursdays here on the One Man's Opinion podcast. Basically giving you a whole nother hour that I would have otherwise done on Sirius XM. So that's the reasoning behind it. That's sort of the inside scoop. Um, you, you know, I've decided in 2020 to just not take everything personal. It, it's been difficult. It's been a hard year for sure. But at the same time, I am, uh, I'm not going to – I'm choosing to not take things personal and anything else. I knew I do good work. I know what I bring to the table. I know there's many and many and many of you who l listen to the show on Sirius and enjoy the show on Sirius. I know what the ratings are and total listeners and um, whatever. If somebody doesn't want to put their best shows – and best, let's put it, best performing shows on, then I don't know what else to tell you. I don't. I really don't. I know in our industry and in our company, Elite Sports, we, will all, we always look at the analytics. We, you know, who, who is reading what articles and who is joining whose chat the most and live streams and downloads and uh, podcasts and all that type of stuff. And, you know, what you guys really are doing and who you value and who you don't. It's, it's all in the numbers. It's very easily traced. And those are the people that are here. And uh, you see, there's a bit of turnover at our company this year, but that turnover doesn't really amount to much on the business end of things because there's some that were cold product, some who did nothing. And some who just meant nothing to the subscribers and did nothing to interact or, or to help the subscribers. And those people are fucking gone. And that's how it's going to be. So that's, so that's a difference of opinion, I guess, with how you run a business. But uh, that's, that's all I could really say about that. We're going to dive in, though, and talk some fantasy football, answer all your questions here as well. Let me, do, let me say this. Let me start out with just a, a little mini rant here. I talked about it a couple episodes ago on this podcast about the Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the anthem and flag and all this stuff. I cannot believe what I am seeing and reading specifically on Facebook and Twitter about people that are claiming the NFL season won't happen, which is obviously just a giant load of bullshit. We just had the opt-out period for the NFL players and got about 30 players to opt out, opt out, and maybe the casual fan maybe have heard four or five of the have heard of four or five of those names in their lives. Damian Williams and Devin Funches probably being the most recognizable names, and not even they are household names by any stretch. So um Nah, the season's happening. There's nothing you're going to do to slow it down. So now the latest thing is people bitching about the kneeling and you're bitching about protesting and people, there's a narrative going on. And I don't, I, I assume it's from political and it seems to be right-wing political on this one. Believe me, there's plenty of left-wing political too. But this seems to be a theory that the NBA and Major League Baseball are struggling in their return with ratings and people viewing. Uh, that is a lie. That is bullshit. They have set records, both sports, NBA set records for their all-time highest-rated game on um, cable, on TNT with the Clippers and Lakers game on their first day back. Major League Baseball had like a six-share. Major League Baseball uses a 1.9-share. So when they returned and they're setting all kinds of ratings records as well, everybody's watching sports and the NFL is going to crush every record you'd ever imagine in terms of total viewership. Think of all the people that instead of going to these games and watching at bars and restaurants and crowded areas are now sitting at home watching instead. And if you want to protest 
if you don't want to follow or support the NFL for um, kneeling and all that stuff, that's your right. Absolutely. You do what you got to do. But the problem is, the problem I have is that you can't also, you can't just be untruthful. You can't pretend that you're part of the majority. And I, I don't know where that obsession is. Listen, all you political people out there, if you think you're ballers and you think you're important, that's awesome. And I'm not saying maybe you are probably more important to me. Who, gave, who knows? And by the way, I don't give a fuck. Don't give a single fuck. Don't care. Great. Good. I hope you are. If it makes you happy, I want everybody else to be happy. But at the same time, don't put your bullshit on other people. If you don't want to support NFL because they kneel at the national anthem, then don't. But don't pretend that the majority of people are doing as you do. That's not true. It's not, not even close to being true. I talked about my thoughts on the kneeling. I hated the kneeling. Hated Kaepernick doing it. I think it was a load of bullshit at the time. I think he had ulterior motives. Um, that's what I believed at the time. I've changed my mind going into this season, at least. Um, for one, I don't know. Like, my dad was in the military. My mom, I still have the flag. My mom passed away. I got the flag. Um, actually, my brother has the flag of my dad that they gave my mom at his funeral. A fold-up American flag. That means a lot to me. It means a real lot. It's a very very sentimental thing. I feel close to my father when I see that flag um, at my brother's house who lives right by me and everything. So um, I don't like people kneeling for the flag either. But at the same time, I also didn't go through periods of having to go to separate bathrooms and drinking fountains and deal with all the bullshit other people have as well. So it is a conundrum. It's important to me that people honor the flag and say our national anthem and all that. That's what's important to me. But at what point do you do, does what is important to me mean it has to be important or done for everybody? And I think that's the problem. And I've spent a lot of time trying to rationalize it, trying to figure it out in my own mind. Like, why do I feel this way? Why does it upset me as much? Why? And all, I can't really come up, well, I know why for myself, but why do others think that this is the right way to go? Why can't they protest in ways that I think will be much more effective? Why can't they um, protest in ways that are seen more and in ways that are more uh, uplifting and more um, together when it comes to the country and the flag and the national anthem and all that. And that's the part I don't know. Right. I, I really don't, in my opinion, can be done a lot of different ways and should be done a lot of different ways. But I do think that maybe that's the point. The point is to make everybody uncomfortable. The, the point is to be seen and heard for the first time in a long time by people that would otherwise ignore it. Right. Wouldn't that be it? And if that's the case, eh, I still disagree with the doing of it, the process, but I understand. And what's more, and in, in where I've gotten to on this entire topic, is that I'm not letting it, it, it doesn't need to bother me. You know, people that are protesting and kneeling, and especially the Black Lives Matter movement and all that, that isn't, I support it. I want, all, I want all lives to matter. I want black lives to matter. I, I can't believe the police and things that they've done to Breonna Taylor and many other people. Um, and no, that's not, and liberal Jeff Bezos. No, 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 that's not at all. It's being a human fucking being, a human that doesn't like to see other humans treated in a certain way. I just don't, you know, especially people that don't deserve it. So the point is, that I am not going to let this, let them protesting something that bothers me a little bit, um, affect me in a way that I need to counteract. I don't need to react. I could not like it and just kind of chill and, but let other people do it because if they think this is the best way to be seen and heard 
and this is the best way to get the the movement going, then I'm all then I have to be for it because I do believe in it. All right, you know, I, I do believe that this, I do believe change needs to happen. I think it needs to happen in a lot of different areas in our country, but um, that's where what I'm trying to tell you is you don't need to fight every battle. And as much as myself for my own reasons and my family reasons may view kneeling at the anthem as a threat, it's not a threat. It's not meant to be a threat. It's meant to be in our face or be in the face of the American public. It is, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it needs to be because when it's in the background, nobody seems to care or matter, or, or more importantly, nobody seems to act on it. All right. And um, the great thing about the United States of America is that we can disagree on things and it's perfectly okay. That's, we've gotten away from that in recent years. We think that every, like everybody's willing to fight and argue and scream and yell and die in order to all agree on something. Meanwhile, it doesn't matter. We don't have to agree. We could have disagreements and all that. So I, I just want to reiterate that on the kneeling topic that it's not, uh, go ahead, kneel all you want, protest how you want. It needs to be seen. It needs to be heard. Uh, for those who are against it, you can be against it and still love the game of football or basketball or baseball or whatever it is. And that, that's, a, that's an idiotic statement, by the way. If you love sports but are willing to, I don't know, I guess not watch them or protest your own or, or whatever it is you're doing about you get so pissed off because somebody kneels from flag. If, that, if that's really – you don't love sports. Don't bullshit yourself. You're not a sports fan. You're not a sports fan. No. Care about the sports. You don't have to worry about anything. I've never seen people – nobody growing up used to talk about the national anthem. It was just something that was done. Nobody ever like, oh, i got to get there for the anthem. Even those Chicago Blackhawks at the Chicago Stadium, Wayne Mesmer singing the best national anthem you've ever heard. Even that, people were all casual about, eh, if I miss it, I miss it. It is what it is. We're, we're stuck in traffic. So don't all of a sudden pretend – and that's the most important part of your fucking day because that's a lie and you fucking know it. All right. So there we go. That's my uh, uh, beginning. And right there talked about the uh, one hour show, the opt outs across the national football league, really nothing. Josh docs, Josh Doxon, no, like that's about it. Like him, Sean Coleman opted out backup tackle for the 49ers. Uh, Malcolm Prigione, he of uh, second year player backup guard for the Cleveland Browns opted out there as well. Really no big news and not at all. Brad Seaton, Rashawn Melvin, the cornerback for the Jaguars who had a one-year deal. Um, guys who threatened to possibly sit out, you know, that folks were worried about like JJ Watt or Drew Brees uh, Tredavious White, none of uh, Odell Beckham Jr., none of them opted out on uh, on the season at all. So, I, I guess it's good news from a, a fans front and standpoint, right there. So, there you go. Um, let's get into it now. I asked you guys at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. Let me have it. What topics do you want me to address and answer? Any questions that you have? And I'm just going to go right in a row, baby, right down the, the steer. My guy, Brock, oh my guy, Brock, this monster with pitching being ahead of hitting, so to speak, does it make sense to pay up for bats and save on pitching? We're seeing a lot of cheap pitchers score. Well, it seems absolutely. I've been on this kick for a long time, not just in seasonal fantasy baseball, but in daily. There are every slate is different in daily fantasy baseball. For those who don't know, like I, I've won seven figures playing daily fantasy sports. I've won two live finals in my career. Um, you know, two hundred fifty thousand in football, hundred thousand dollars in baseball. I took third and in, in another fifty thousand dollars in a another daily or live final for baseball. As a matter of fact, so I've had a lot of success in this. And so the daily game over at EliteFantasy.com is a great opportunity to make a lot of money. I, I think 
this year, we just had our guy Brian Healy hit $400,000 last night. It's funny. if you, Whenever you're listed this, he hit um, Search Elite Mafia on Twitter or even on Facebook, if you will, or on uh, Instagram, if that's your, your cup of tea. But Brian Healy just hit for $100,000. Our guy Kenneth Lee is hit for $20,000. Our guy Vlad Sedler is hit for $15,000. Uh, our guy Brock is hit for $10,000. I mean, there's so many winners. And we've had subs hit for $100,000, subs hit for $50,000 and $20,000. Already in the baseball season is like, what, three weeks old, four weeks old? It's crazy the advantage we have right now. And I think Brock's uh, idea here is, is truth. Paying up for pitching just doesn't give you the premium bats. Invest in the premium bats, the known hitters that have the power. Mike Trout in Seattle, who's just smashing it these days uh, during this series in Seattle, post uh, baby and all that. He's coming back and just you know pick up where he left off. Definitely the way to go. And pitching in Major League Baseball is a tire fire almost on a nightly basis between injuries and inconsistencies. And all that, it doesn't make sense to use a lot of your salary for it. So, uh, yes on that. Andrew Steer asked, 16-team league, what round do you start drafting handcuffs? Last year, he, he waited too long. Afraid he draft handcuffs too early this year, missed out on other good players. It really depends on the cuff. Over at FantasyGuru.com, I've got a thing called the running back grid. It's a handcuff chart. It ranks all the best teams at running the football, the, basically the, the running back system is what I'm ranking. And that means most touches, most efficiency, most fantasy production, all of that stuff lumped into one in my own algorithm. And it tells you the best running games in the league. And uh, I'll give you a little sample. Well, I know the Ravens are first. Uh, the Greg Roman offense is just something magical there. But – the Vikings, the Titans, the 49ers, Cowboys, and Browns are my top six. So when you have such a good running system, it means whoever runs the ball is going to be good. It doesn't mean that the, the starter is going to be good. The starter, of course, could be good because he gets the ball the most. But when he breaks down, gets hurt, suspended, whatever, the next guy up will produce as well, and that's why you handcuff. So – if you're talking about when to handcuff the elite guys, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, Kareem Hunt of the Browns, Tevin Coleman of the 49ers, uh, J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens, when you start talking about those premium-type guys, you're going to have to start handcuffing those early because the people that drafted those non-great running teams are going to – feel the need to draft running backs early after they've got their two starters and they're going to go and try to pluck off your backups. And they do that trying to guess, like, and hope that you're the starter gets hurt. Um, so those rounds, you have to be prepared for a Kareem Hunt or Madison, Alexander Madison. Those guys are going to go in the fifth or sixth round. And man, people do not like hearing me say that, but, it is so valuable to your team to have that Minnesota Viking or Cleveland Brown running back that it is unfortunately worth two picks, two of your first six picks in the draft, just to make sure you secure it. All right. I think the savvy handcuffer will be able to, let's say, let's say you don't get one of those two guys or, you know, I, Nick Chubb, I like so much that I, and I'm not paying a fifth round price for Kareem Hunt. I will try it in the sixth. So I guess the sixth round is really the ultimate answer to this question. But um, I, I think that the sweet spot are, is like the Derrick Henry and then get Darrington Evans or Raheem Mostert, get Tevin Coleman you know, or even Tony Pollard for Zeke Elliott, even though Elliott you get in the first round, but nobody's after Pollard as a standalone. You know, that, that's really the sweet spot. The Rams, if you get Cam Akers in the fifth round, you get Daryl Henderson in the ninth. That's the point. Once you get past, let's say, the first seven, eight rounds, let's call it eight rounds, that's where you – after that, 
the drafts are a crapshoot anyway. Now you always put yourself in a better situation, but that's when you really can start attacking those, those other handcuffs. The ones that come at a premium, unfortunately, like Kareem Hunt, because people think he's going to be involved because he was at the end of last year, not ideal. Just not. I mean, you, you got to think of that, though, when you go into it and when you take your first and second round pick. Just say, fuck it, you know, I'm not going to deal with trying to have to get my handcuff that early. Instead, I will wait, take premium wide receivers, and I'll draft uh, Jonathan Taylor in the fifth round. And then I won't have to get Marlon Mack until the ninth round. And then you locked in that Colt running back for the whole season. Same with Akers. Um, you know, somebody like that. And you're so much better off for having done that. So uh, even a Joe Mixon, if you get him early, you don't have to draft Bernard forever. All right. So, yeah, I mean, Todd Gurley, blah. Don't really want to mess with that. Kenyon Drake, you won't have to draft Chase Edmonds for a while. So sixth round is the earliest. Sweet spot is post-eighth round, though. Andrew, appreciate that one. Duke, my dude, Duke. Oh, my favorite soccer guy in the world. How in the world do you find time to do everything you do? <laughs> Here's the way it goes. Um, you, you know, it's weird. It's, it's one of those deals where and what Duke's talking about, Duke is a coworker of ours. Uh, he's one of the best. So he is the best soccer analyst in DFS, in my opinion. Um, just a real good dude. And he's one of the hardest working guys you'll ever find, too. I've always believed, and I, I've been in management. I started my own company in 2000, uh, 2000 or 2001. It was before 9-11, so early 2001, let's call it and um, a, a PC repair business, and I eventually sold it to GE in 2003, late 2003. The, I just, you know, when you're in charge of people, managing people, you have to work as hard, if not harder than everybody. You have to stay on top of things as much as possible as well. And the way I look at life is there's 24 hours in every single day, and too many people want to shut it down they want they want basically they say i'm sleeping for eight hours even though if, even if they don't sleep they just write off eight hours is gone and then the other eight hours they want to eat they want to spend a lot of time eating and, and cooking and just what i call wasted fucking time and i mean eating is important but my god the amount of time people you ever you guys like that are you guys i'm not i like when it's time to eat, I want to eat. I want to be done. That's it. I don't want to fuck around. Like, I don't want to sit and uh, let's sit and have a three-hour dinner. No, God, drives me crazy. Um, and then they look at that. So they, they, most people just look at it like, oh, a third of my day is going to be spent working eight hours. I look at it like two-thirds of my day at the very minimum is 16 hours. I don't think I'll – I, I, very rarely do I work under 16 hours in a day. Most days I only work or I work about 20, especially this time of year. And I sleep for four hours, go to sleep around, you know, anywhere from three to 5 a.m. When my work is done, I get all my work done for the early portion um, of the day. You know, if I fall asleep at four, I'll, I try to wake up at 8.30 every morning and then immediately attack social media and emails and everything that I may have missed. Uh, especially for East Coasters who've been busy for a couple of hours. Um, so that's, I just have a different way of looking at things. I just, I don't shut it down. And if something doesn't get done in the course of daylight hours or what other people would say is work time, I'll do it at two o'clock in the morning. And I've been that way my whole life, by the way. It's when my kids were smaller. Uh, I, my wife and I always work great cause she wakes up early in the morning, but I would stay up late at night. So I would have the overnight feedings. I'd stay up three, four o'clock and then, you know, put the kid to bed, to final feeding or changing or whatever. And she'd wake up at six or seven and, you know, we had a nice little dynamic go that way, but I'll go grocery shopping at two o'clock in the morning, find a 24 hour. I'll go get gas at three o'clock in the morning. If I need to, like there, there are hours. I don't want to waste time doing bullshit tasks that I, you know, can be done at any time. The only thing needs to be done during the hours of nine to five is, you know, between nine and five is 
something that requires sunlight or daylight or something like that. Anything else inside, they could be, um, uh, you know, that could be pushed to the overnights. And again, you go grocery shopping, you gasoline, you can um, update your devices. You know, you don't need to do that shit during working hours. Too many people do that. I think they waste a lot of time. So it's not a matter of just expanding your reach of how much you work, but it's also a matter of uh, a little bit, a matter of efficiency and getting it done a lot better. So, um, you know, that's my thought on that. And that's how I'm able to get so much done is that I'm constantly working. And, you know, I, I also believe in two devices minimum. Uh, I'll never watch, I watch television. I watch a lot of shows. I've seen a lot of the Netflix shows and Hulu and Disney plus and all that. But I always, I am always, always, always writing or researching or planning. I write my show plans every night for the Sirius XM show. People don't realize those take about three to four hours to complete. Uh, I do those immediately after dinner the night before and the family's watching TV. So I'm spending family time, but I'm also doing work. So I'm able to, to, uh, to work that way. So there you go. I'm sure that's boring for most of you who oh, hear about your work day. Oh, what else do we got? Oh, Dennis Roy wants to chime in. Dennis Roy can kiss my, uh, rosy red ass because he claimed I was not his favorite Jeff on Sirius XM anymore. So Dennis Roy kiss my red ass. You little bitch. Um, I do love Dennis Roy, but if I'm not getting the love back, he, I will show him no love. Oh, here it is. Oh, boy. Here's a chain of them, everybody. What can you tell us about the Tommy Elite split? Well, 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 well. Where are we in the record? Oh, I have to go. Mm. I got to take a big sip of coffee for this one. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to end the show here. No more. All right. <clears throat> um. What can I tell us about Tommy Elite Split? Well, I, I honestly, there's no rules. I don't know what I can and can't. There's nothing I can't say. I'm a human fucking being. I could say whatever I want, right? Number one, let me address, uh, let me talk about several aspects of this. Number one, I'm, uh, uh, I talked about it earlier in the show with the kneeling and stuff. I have stands that I take and I, there, I have a belief system in my heart and what I believe in and what I don't believe in and all that. And I've always taken the road of being respectful to others and not talking for them, not back. To, I'm not a back talking guy. Um, very often that's not to say I won't back talk people. I absolutely will at times, you know, make fun of some folks, especially, uh, but you know, not, I'm not going to put anything out there to embarrass or humiliate or hurt or to speak for anybody else. Right. So that's just not my way. Um, we have had a bunch of turnover at elite sports this past year, most of which, and it's not, it's not actually a number of people. We've had, we have 50 people roughly that work for us. We have lost like four or five people. So maybe 10%, uh, at the most. And, um, so of that, most of which I'm very happy that they're gone. Yeah, I'm very happy. In fact, a couple of them, I specifically am responsible for them leaving. And I will fess up to that anytime. I'll happily discuss it. Again, I try to, I, uh, there are a couple of former coworkers I just don't like and don't respect. And reason being is they earned that. I, at one point I did like them and respect them, but they're, you know, they've, some bad people in our industry. And unfortunately I had to, I had to work with them for a while and that was a real tough thing. And you know, it is, it, it was a tough time. I'll be honest. And um, I'm really fucking glad they're gone and they go to other companies. And I just, I'm scared because they work. Some of these guys work with people that I really do like. And, um, they're going to see, they're going to find out, Oh shit, these are bad people that do bad things and are just whatever, just bad people. Tommy G is not that guy. <laughs> Tommy G 
everyone thinks he is the worst fucking person on the planet. And he's genuinely not. He's really a pretty good guy. Now, listen, Tommy and I have differences. No question about it. And, you know, the biggest difference we have at this point is our political beliefs and things like that. I don't have political beliefs. So the fact that, but he has enough for both of us. And if you, I used to be the co-host on his No Mercy podcast. And it started getting off into the fucking stratosphere of, I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't care or know or any of that shit. And he knows I feel this way. I talk to him about it all the time. For one, Tommy G and I still talk at least a couple times a week. All right. Now he's setting up his own thing and doing his own thing and all that stuff and all that. So uh, he is no longer with us at Elite, the Elite Sports Network. Uh, I will, I mean, the decision was absolutely mutual. I had nothing to do with it. I want that to be known. Rob Brink didn't have anything to do with it other than, you know, um, I guess seeing or signing off on a letter or whatever, maybe. But that, that was it. Tommy was not fired for political beliefs. Tommy was not fired or Tommy was not fired. He left on his own accord. Let's be honest with it. And um, there was no like be political belief situations. Uh, I and there was no um the uh the bank robbery story i got i mean i feel very fucked up talking about that because quite on this is something that hasn't been out there. i've known this for you know a decade or whatever um i'm a person that doesn't believe it. nobody's bound to the mistakes they've made in their life just not some, I've, I grew up in the South side of Chicago. Uh, I know a lot of good people that had to do shitty things in order to survive, in order to get by, whatever it may be. All right. I've had long talks with Tommy about his history and his past and everything else. And uh, I've known about it. All right. So, and I've chose to work with him as a result and uh, make no mistakes about that. Like I knew about the past. Now there's some parts of the past that, come up and I didn't know, but I, it's not my job to know everything. I don't, it's not, not his responsibility to tell me. And I'm not, you know, I knew about this, this story. You guys can go. I'm not going to talk about that though. I just don't feel comfortable talking without him being here because I feel like I'm backstabbing. I, I don't want to be that fucking guy and I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not trying to avoid that question, but um, the essence of it all is Tommy went in a different direction. Tommy has always wanted to be a star. He has wanted to be, uh, he's done reality shows and he's always, he has that desire. He wants to be that. I, at one point in my life thought I wanted to be that. And, and as I ascended up in, in, um, in the radio, um, my radio listens and my ratings and everything else. And I got pretty damn popular. I realized, all right, there's a level that I don't want to cross and I don't want to be on reality TV. And I don't think I really, I had an opportunity a couple times to be, I filmed three pilots in my life. I was in a, a movie along with Tommy G called living the fantasy. So I've done some things like that. And to me, there's a level of privacy that I don't want to get out just because, you know, I've got kids and, and this not really, I'm not that guy. I realized I, I don't, I want to be with my people, talk sports and fantasy sports, and I want to win and play and compete. And that's what I want to do, but I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't have any desire to be that. So Tommy does have a desire. In fact, I'd say it's his main desire to be that. And thus he's gone in different ways. He's a, he loves conspiracies and loves, he got way into politics this is, I've had many friends now dive into politics when I thought I knew that I never talked politics with them in my life. I've known them for a decade or more. Tommy's absolutely one of those guys. He's just gone off on a tangent. It's what he wants. I've told him he left a job that paid him a lot of fucking money here. Tommy G made a lot of fucking money, a lot of money here. I make a lot of money here. Um, Tommy wanted more and he wanted to do more and he wanted to be more and he was willing to 
push that and he's willing to sacrifice that in order to be a bigger celebrity and to get the word out of what he believes and all that. And I can't, I have different thoughts. I would have done it differently, but how do you blame somebody for giving up a ton of money and a known, you know, known uh, contract and everything else that he had at his disposal here, a company that he helped build. Um, how can you, get, if he wants to go in a different direction, do different things, how can you really, I don't know how people can shit on it. He sacrificed, he didn't hurt anybody else. He hurt himself. Um, you know what I mean? So, or I mean, in theory, he hurt himself, but if it's what he wants to do and it's what it's in his heart, then who the fuck am I or anybody else to tell him not to? So yeah, Tommy's not a part of the company anymore. Um, he did help build it. I say help and he would tell you differently. It's one thing I'll argue with Tommy about is Tommy started it all. All right. And Kevin Adams had a good part of that as well. A very big part of that. And they brought me on, but the idea that they did it all is, is just bullshit. Like, I mean, I got to tell you, man, there's a lot of people putting a lot of work, whether it's Mad Lab, Benny Ricciardi, um, Jeff Collins at the very, very, very early stages. And then obviously everything I did, Ray Flowers, Ted Schuster, and uh, all of us who have joined the, uh, joined the fight, if you will, for the elite mafia over the years, we all had a lot to do with the building and success of this site. Yes, Tommy was the first group and wave, and Tommy's a, Tommy's a big star, and he's a lightning rod. There's no doubt about it. I think he's talented as hell. I really do. I think if he stuck to sports, he's a, I think he could have made it as a big-time sports analyst and things. I think that he's got the right mix of uh, carelessness, meaning he'll say whatever fuck he wants. Meanwhile, knows the games, knows the sports, is analytical enough to, to talk that game as well. Um, but he, didn't, you know, he didn't, doesn't want to do it. How am I supposed to, I could sit there. I could have, I probably could have talked him into staying. If I would have, I could have stood there and gave him the, Hey bro, you're fucking with me, man. I probably could have kept him down. Maybe kept him in for another six months, but it wasn't the right thing to do. It's not what he wanted to do. I asked him 15 times. You sure? Are you sure? Dude, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, this is. So I wish him the best. I really do. Do I like what he's doing? No, I don't like it. I don't like the politics. I don't, I think, I don't know what the QAnon factor is. And I know some of you maybe are listening that are of this and God bless you. I don't, I don't know. And I don't want to know. I don't like, you don't accuse people of pedophilia. You, you just don't. I'm fucking, I don't get it. I don't get the lure. It's not my cup of tea. But at the same time, you know, to each their own. I'm not going to – Tommy's a friend of mine. He'll be a friend of mine probably for the rest of my life uh, unless he goes and stabs me in the back and starts ripping me apart and shit like that because I doubt he would even do that. I, I couldn't even imagine him doing it, to be honest with you. And that's why I, I do love the kid. I love him because I don't really have to worry about that with a guy like Tommy. He is on the level, but – a couple other people that have, I've worked with, that's all they fucking do is back talk and shit talk and trash talk and lie, fucking lie about everything. And they, they try to make it so they were so important and that, you know, those, the rest of us were shitty, or, or, you know, fuck them, man. That bothers me. And Tommy's not like that. Tommy's a different animal altogether. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, I think it's rather amicable. Tommy would tell you different. He's got some thoughts, uh, I believe, on our investors um, here at Elite Sports and, and things like that. But, listen, eh, Tommy's also – Tommy is a guy. He's one of those dudes that needs to – he needs an enemy to stay motivated. He needs the enemy. So as much as I don't think it, nobody did him wrong at elite sports. Nobody did him wrong. Disagreements and things like that. Yeah, maybe. But um, 
anything you hear from Tommy in any kind of way towards elite, and I, he again, it won't be me, Rob, or Rusty, or any of a group remaining here, I doubt. But I know, even if he did come after me, I wouldn't even be that mad. Tommy needs that enemy. It, it fuels him. The dude has is he needs the fire. He burns. He burns hot. You know. And he needs it to go and to motivate himself and to get going. And that's what I'm sure he did. He wants to build a company that, you know, is even bigger and better than elite. You know, I'm sure that's what he wants to do and thinks he's going to do it. He probably will do it, but it's going to be in a different arena. All right. It's not going to be that. Listen, as far as sports are concerned, I'll tell you this. Uh, let, me, let me just say this about anybody who's left this company. When they leave our subscribers at Elite Sports Betting, Fantasy Guru, and EliteFantasy.com, they leave the customers. That's the part that pisses me off. I, when you leave a company, you leave those subscribers that are there for you. And you leave people that trusted you. And in the individual's mind, you're going off and – doing something great and you're going to be better and ever, but it, it doesn't ever happen. How many people have left the company, our company and go start their own thing and they don't, they don't do it. Why? Cause they don't have work ethic, man. It, it's, I see it. I've worked with these guys for years. You know, somebody Duke just asked me, how do you do all that you do? And I think that it's actually, if you ever see, there's a couple people who have left elite, in the last couple in the last year, I will say that are very threatened by me and are very, they, they don't like me at all. And I don't take it personally because there's nothing I did personal to them whatsoever. But what they don't like is that I'm outworking them every day of the week. And that thus, that makes me more important to our subscribers and make I'm there for our subscribers. I'm there for our customers and listeners and I'm producing content because that's, why that's my job a lot people in this industry want to get a big following and then they want to sit on it and do nothing and go watch Netflix and then every now and they want to tweet and every time they tweet if they get a lot of likes they consider that work they think that's building a brand it's not building the brand not at all building a brand is being there for your if you're out of coca-cola every time you go to the grocery store you're gonna start drinking pepsi and coke is fucked right you need to be there for your people. You need to be on the goddamn shelves. You need to be there on the fucking, in, in the cooler. You need to be there for people. And the fact that I am and always have been, always will be, pisses some people off. I think some of my coworkers get rubbed the wrong way. Duke is a stud. Duke is a guy who gets motivated by it. He wants to outwork my ass. He wants to keep going. I, I fucking love that guy. That's why. But other people, I've worked in this industry for 15 years, they get mad. They get threatened by it. They don't like it, right? So when it comes to the sports uh, analysts, analysis and sports analysts overall, like we got a great group here. We're winning every day. The people who are here want to be here at our network and they love our customers and they're not, they're not a, too big to go into the chat room and discuss a baseball game or a bet with people or a live in-game action. They're not, they don't want to be celebrities. They don't want to be, um, they want to be profitable, good sports analysts. That's what they want to be. And I think that makes us a much better company as a result. So um, take that for what it's worth. Love Tommy G though. I really do. He did bring me into this company. I'll always recognize that. And, uh, you know, I, he's going to be successful. He's doing what, And if you guys are into that shit, go listen to no mercy podcast. Um, I don't know his Twitter accounts keep getting shut down. I mean, he's off into a region of life that I don't, I can't identify with anymore. I don't know what it is, but I know he's a good dude support him, his family, his brother, his, his mom, you know, I mean, just, you know, a guy who's, he's been there for me in the, in the past as well. So um, don't hate on Tommy. If you're one of those like me, probably while you're listening to this podcast, you, you don't agree with the, the politics. You don't agree with the QAnon or whatever the fuck that is. And all the, all this other shit. I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. Just not my thing. Right. I, it's just not my thing. It's never going to be. It's just it's no amount of, he's tried to explain shit to me. There's no amount that I will ever 
ever even process. And if you're like me, that's totally fine. But I believe strongly in that we don't have to agree on every fucking thing to be friends and to respect somebody. I think Tommy's a good dude. I like the guy. I, and by the way, I'm not, and most people that say that are just fucking scared of him, to be quite honest with you. I'm not scared of Tommy G. He knows I'm not scared of him. I'll go at that motherfucker if I wanted to. I would, I would cut his throat out of his fucking, I have no, no, not, not a bone of me. I actually, it would be much better podcast if I could just sit here and blast Tommy. Wouldn't it? It would be so much better. But if I did that, I wouldn't be honest with anybody. You know, I, I, Tommy hasn't done anything wrong to me. You know, I wish he wouldn't have left. I wish he'd stay on sports. He and I had uh, real great times where there was radio, live streams, podcasts. I love doing the No Mercy pod with him back. I didn't do my own podcast till this one because, uh, you know, he and I were going to be doing No Mercy. That was what we were going to do. And so part of me butthurt about that. Yeah, possibly. But I'm not ever going to be butthurt about one of my friends succeeding, especially doing what they want to do. Never going to happen. I, I love the fact that he can do it. I wish I was long for the ride a little bit more. I think we do make a good team. Maybe in the future we will be. Um, I, I, <laughs> I could say a lot of bad things about a couple of my former coworkers, basically just two of them. But I, the Tommy G is not one of them. I can't, and that includes the uh, the history that he's had with the law and prison and all that kind of stuff. So, I hope that answers the questions. I try to be as you know, I mean, there's nothing else. You know, the the real why did Tommy leave? That would probably be the biggest question anybody would have. Again, that's something for him. I think he did address it in one of his No Mercy pods. Um, you know, if there's any misconstruction there, I will correct it. But I think that's sort of his story to tell because it was his choice, right? It was his choice. Unlike a couple other people that were forcibly removed, um, Tommy made a decision to to kind of go. So, and uh, you know, I think Rob and I specifically really supported him in that decision and on his quest. What else we got at Jeff underscore Man's other questions? Any old MLB stories to share? Uh, I've got a lot. I covered the White Sox for two years as a stringer for the Daily Herald, a local paper in, in Illinois. Um, I've got some Ozzie Guillen stories for you guys. Yeah, I, I, do, I mean, here's what I'll say. Covering a Major League Baseball team, I didn't realize this because I – journalism major I switched to computer science um, again I did computer repair sold my company then I dove back into journalism and that's kind of how I got here I will tell you this one thing they don't teach you in school is that uh, they're on the record off the record is your lifeblood and this is over 2003 2004 where I would listen to stories that are some of the greatest stories I've ever heard from Ozzie Guillen and others, um, coaches and players with the White Sox of those, that era. And I would hear some crazy shit and I'd be like, Oh my God, this could be the biggest story in Chicago. And then I heard, okay, go ahead and turn the tape recorders on. We'll go on the record. Like, Oh shit. I can't report any of this. So I, I did hear a lot of things, uh, infidelities and, uh, yeah, some, you know, other things that probably involved the law. I, <laughs> I don't know what the statute of limitations is at, at this point for like, uh, you know, different offenses, but nothing major, no homicides or anything crazy like that. But yeah, I, I heard who was sleeping with who, um, certain players and coaches that hooked up with fans and shit like uh, we'd hear that as beat writers or I was a stringer. So I was just an assistant, but um, we'd hear those stories and be blown out of the water. And then we couldn't say any of it. And I think it's gotten really bad in recent years because if you notice no local beat writers or reporters report any news, they are the closest to the teams. They are the closest to the individuals yet. For football, Adam Schefter, Jay Glazer, and Ian Rappaport have to report 100% of the news. For baseball, it's Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, and those guys for baseball. Yet we have 
multiple people covering just about every team in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, yet nobody knows anything. Nobody's reporting anything. I think it's just become a real disaster. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there you go. What else do we got at Jeff underscore man's other uh where's the podcast located yeah that's uh on itunes stitcher Podbean, anywhere else that you find your favorite podcast tuned in um it's it's all over uh yeah everywhere you find podcasts this podcast is found obviously any best ball on DraftKings advice no defense no kickers I got a lot of it, man. We have a whole draft guide based on best ball. We just added our DraftKings section to our best ball guide over at fantasyguru.com. I think at best ball, you, you obviously, it's a million-dollar top prize. So unlike a regular fantasy football league where consistency matters and you don't necessarily need the highest point scorers every week, you just need the most consistent to beat your opponent because it's a head-to-head schedule, and that's how you win the championship. In a league like this, specifically best ball, the best advice is roster construction, have the proper amount of quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends. And and if you limit the number, let's say you only have two quarterbacks, don't, don't have two quarterbacks yet. One of your quarterbacks is like uh, Derek Carr or even Cam Newton who has, you know, there's a lot of injury history there because then you only have one. If you have, if you draft only two at a position and one of them could get replaced, you're going to go weeks without somebody. And if that other guy gets hurt, you need proper insulation for sure. So roster construction is paramount in these formats and then uh, sell out for upside. Obviously, you know, really want to maximize the types of players you have in that format, a guy like Jarvis Landry isn't as useful. Landry scores quality amount of points and does well, but you'd rather have a Will Fuller or a Marquise Brown, even though they're not going to acquire more total points. They're going to have bigger weeks. Remember, you in a best ball, they're going to choose your best lineup every week. So those players that have those shootout or breakout performances, even if it's only four or five times a year, that's great because they'll send to your starting spot then and the rest of the time, yeah, they probably won't, you know, they won't be starting for you, but that's why you have others at those positions. But uh, it put, it gives you a lead. You, you want those spike weeks as we call them in a best ball format. And that goes for DraftKings as well. DraftKings with the uh, remember milestone scoring 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, receiving, you get bonus points for that. So obviously uh, a very, very important thing there as well. So uh, that is that. Where are we at on time? I told you this is the second hour here. I don't want to do the second hour and a half. couple other questions I guess I'll get to here. I want to talk about the manifesto. Do you break down how to draft and when to draft running backs? Yes, I go position by position. As a matter of fact, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight end, defense and special teams, kickers. I break down how to draft every position. The thing about the manifesto, it's my draft plan over at fantasyguru.com for those who don't know. I also go round by round and break it down for you on you know, break down who I'm looking at in every round, what I'm hoping to attain, what I'm hoping to acquire at that spot and everything else. So, um, yeah, all that is very, very important. I do it for every single round. So you can kind of, you go in there and tell that's who I'm looking at, or this is what I'm looking for. And right at the top of the article, I have the, uh, all man's team in that. And, and then you you see it. You could backlog it. You could backtrack it. Here's the perfect draft team. Here's the all-man's team, I meaning my favorite picks, who I would choose in the middle of every single round. And you see it, you know, all illustrated, laid out for you right in there. For instance, let me do it for you. I'll, I'll do it. You know what? I'm going to do a whole podcast on the manifesto, so I won't do it um, on this show. But um, I give you the targets based on current ADP. 
the fades based on current ADP at every position. And then for each round, I give you a um, the goal of the round, players and what I'm targeting in that round, the value option, the most upside option, biggest risk, player I'm not touching, I wouldn't draft it no matter what, the pocket of value for all the Sirius XM listeners, draft pockets, that's right, tell you where that is, who the perfect draft selection would be, meaning everything falls properly, this is who I get, and then who the all-man's team, meaning it didn't fall properly, but I got the middle pick in every round, this is who I go with so there you go for that a bunch of other questions here as well favorite coffee place <laughs> if you don't watch my video every morning afternoons uh, it's after lunch it's in the one o'clock hour every say i'm sorry it's in the two o'clock hour it's about 2 30 p.m eastern time every weekday on my twitter account at jeff underscore mans Fantasy football talk in a car getting coffee. I did it all last year. It was immensely popular. You guys are great watching a video, asking questions every single day, reacting in real time. I'm getting some coffee. So uh, folks always seem to ask, where's your favorite coffee shop? It's Dutch Bros. Dutch Bros is the best place I ever – I love their lattes, flavored lattes specifically. Um, sometimes I have to go for the cold brews when I really need that heavy caffeine hitter. But uh, give me a banana or give me a black forest or the Bob lattes and I'm good to go. Get those just about every day as a matter of fact. So Dutch Bros, my coffee place of choice. What else? Uh, oh, how I feel about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, funny, funny people. If you haven't heard my thoughts on that, I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Don't draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round. It's Fantasy football isn't a race to see who can get the the breakout. I can't even say breakout player. Like a breakout player is useful. You want a breakout player fourth round and, and later. If you can get that, that means you didn't pay a high price, right? That is a real, real big deal and a real, real um, advantage. If you think your breakout player, if your breakout player is somebody you have to draft in the first round, guess what, folks? He's not a breakout player. All you're doing, if he wouldn't be a breakout player if you had drafted in the first round. Because if you're putting that kind of equity and stock into him, all it can do is disappoint you. Because even if he fulfills that breakout, you still would have – the only upgrade you're having is who else you would have taken in the first round. And if you think that Edward Solaire, let's say you draft him over Joe Mixon, um, let's say he does outperform Mixon, but he does so by whatever, 16 points, we'll just say, a point a game, one point every week, and he gets you that much points. Was it, do you think that if some people will believe that's a win? Oh, I won. I, I scored. My guy, my breakout guy, had more points than Mixon. Well, a point a week, wasn't worth the amount of risk of a rookie running back coming into a crowded backfield that is up for grabs, especially when the rookie had the, no OTAs, organized team activities, or no mini camps. It's a terrible pick. It's a terrible play. It's a bad strategy. It's too much risk. Don't do it. I don't know why people are obsessed with that, but seems to be what uh, what you're doing. So there you go. Don't just – don't draft Edward Solaire there. Edward Solaire, third, fourth round, yeah, absolutely. Then you build in some value. Then if he disappoints, it doesn't. It's not catastrophic to your team. But drafting him in the top ten, which is where he's going as of this recording, is pure and utter nonsense. There you go. All right, folks, that's going to do it. The second hour in the books for this sixth of August, twenty twenty, year of our Lord. If you listen every day, SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday, except Thursdays, it's only 4 to 5. But that's why you just heard the second hour. That's right, right here for you. FantasyGuru.com, EliteFantasy.com. If you go to any of those, EliteFantasy.com slash Mans, M-A-N-S, a little discount for you. DFS, 
our football package. It's available. Daily fantasy football. You want Saturday night chats with your boy. You want cash game breakdowns, the best in the industry. You want live final. You want six-figure payouts. Join the Elite Mafia this year, elitefantasy.com slash mans if you like the discounts and stuff like that. While you're there, you could also pick up the discount on elitesportsbetting.com or on fantasyguru.com there as well. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore mans on Twitter, D Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. <sighs> Episode 24, now in the books, everybody. Thank you for listening, downloading. Please tell a friend, tell everybody you know. We need as many subscribers as possible. Then who knows? Maybe we could do the show for you for free for the uh, rest of eternity. What do you, would you feel good about that? I sure as hell would. That will do it for this episode. Again, you may disagree, folks. And if you do, that's all right. Why? This was one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Two cents.